It takes a lot of time being in the presence of God to learn to come into sync with the high priest in heaven. And, and, and what we have to understand is all of us as a body are in partnership with the head of the church. And through that partnership, we are the earthly end of the heavenly end. And he releases from heaven into the earth through us. So what we want to start to do is every time, especially like tonight, when we want to get you praying in Afghanistan, now I'm not saying anybody's prayed anything wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we have to begin to prophetically, all of us are prophetic, right? We may not all have the gift of prophecy, but all of us, by virtue of that baptism, we were baptized into one spirit, have a connection to Jesus, whereby through that connection we can hear the voice of God, and we can begin to pray what he's praying. So as a body, when we gather, when we assembly, when we come into and convene into assembly, it becomes even more potent because all of the saints begin to join together, and as the head, we begin to discern the Father's purpose in what he's doing, not only for the assembly, but what he's emphasizing in the assembly. So I want to challenge you in Afghanistan to realize that Jesus, God, has a purpose and he has an inheritance and no nation in the earth has the right to withhold its fruit from the one who went to the cross and earned it. It is mine and your responsibility to begin to step into that place as intercessors. All of us are called to intercession, by the way. And we begin to partner with Jesus in what he's saying. Now that does take time and it takes an ability to learn how to focus and listen for the voice of God. You're going to make lots of mistakes. I still do. We all do, right? But what we're learning to do is to partner with. And when, we, when, the, when the church begins to cry and become that one voice, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one, then what happens is through oneness, we begin to pray the will of God from heaven under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to declare it and release it into the earth. I forget who it was. I feel like it was Spurgeon. But I think he said God seems to have limited himself as to what he will and will not do to the prayers of the church. It's as if he's imposed upon himself a sort of limitation that says, I won't really totally act without my partnership on earth. Now, now I'm not, I don't want you to read too deep in that, but it seems to be true. I can look in Scripture, and every time God did something, he found himself a man or a woman, right? So my point in saying that is he, he seems to have chosen to partner with you and I and, that under, and through our submission, through learning how to hear and how to submit to him in the Spirit, we begin to operate and function as one. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God exists in heaven right now. We are the expression of that kingdom in the earth, right? In as much as we live under the rule of God, we come into his rulership and we demonstrate and reveal it to a hostile world system that hates God. So I just want to challenge you that is in these next couple of weeks, that we're all going to come in, we're going to do something to get everyone tapped into and flowing and, and having the opportunity to discern what God's doing at the broader level. It's either going to be in the, in the body here as a whole or something beyond it, i.e. Afghanistan. All right, so tonight we're going to talk, if you will, 
flip over with me to page 26, and I'm going to sort of kind of go through this, but let me give you just a very quick review. The last two weeks have been to really lay a foundation for actually getting into the gifts of the Spirit. So let me just give you a quick review. Week one, I went after the mindsets that we have that will cause us to accept institutionalism over a body. And what I really mean by that more than anything is this mindset that so many walk into where church is something that I go to on Sunday morning and I'll sit in the back row or somewhere and I'll kind of just sort of consume it and take it all in, but I'm out the door as soon as it's gone and, and I'm not really connected to the body in any way. I call those orbiters. They kind of just orbit around the outside. But that was never God's intention. When Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, that it, t- definitely what, what he w- didn't have in my, that in mind at all. What he does have in mind, is, it, but, but so to understand this, we're not, and I don't want you to think I'm down on church. I'm not. I'm trying to get rid of some of this mentality that keeps Jesus from actually getting his body. Where you meet or, you know, all that's really irrelevant compared to uh, what we do when we gather and how we relate to one another, right? So, so in that, if we can begin to lose this mentality, because why is that so important? Well, because it'll have me going to church, being nice to you, you, you know, having a few pleasantries, but beyond that, I really won't have any concern about your life and your growth. I won't really feel any kind of an obligation or responsibility to you as a brother and a sister in Christ, and I won't really discern and take the opportunity to, to partner with God for your benefit. So as long as we're an institution, we won't do that. We'll just kind of go to church and be just, you know, a, a, a kind of a club that's just religious, has a little bit of religious language attached to it. Now, I'm being, I'm being a little sarcastic to just make a point. But that's not God's heart. God's heart is for you to discern who the people are sitting next to you. And through the covenant that you have with God, you also walk out and demonstrate that covenant with one another, i.e. what? Covenant community. And so week one is about continually challenging everyone to look internal and to confront demonic mindsets that are authored by demons that challenge the knowledge of God in your life and openly challenge what God's building, which is a body that's living, not an inanimate institution that has no life. Jesus is not a CEO. He's the head of an ecclesia. All right? Week two was really about talking, giving some definition to that body. In other words, it's to say that before it's anything else, the body that you and I call to is a way to understand how you and I are to relate to one another. So think of it this way. When he talks about the body, Jesus intends that every localized ecclesia Right, And we all know what that means. But every localized ecclesia is to be a complete expression and representation of Jesus in the earth. That means that, if we can just bring it home, here at Heart of the Father, it is God's intention that we are complete and lacking nothing in our ability to manifest the presence of God and the kingdom of God and to accurately represent his leadership and his person through the revelation that we individually carry, 
But then that revelation grows exponentially as we assemble as the body. Now you have many who carry the individual testimony of Christ, but as the but, but as the gathered or assembled body, we now carry a corporate or a collective revelation of Christ. And through that body, we begin to declare not only to principalities in the heavenly places, but we also declare into the earth that we are living in a superior kingdom that is 100% spiritual. And although the violent will attempt to take it by force, they cannot because it's spiritually discerned and it lives in every single one of us. The Father has given that kingdom to us. And so so it is appropriate to say that you've been given the kingdom and you are also in the kingdom. And so when we start to understand that, then we understand that the focal point of why we need to earnestly desire spiritual gifts is because this is the mechanism that we use to build a spiritual body. So, so again, where we would start to make some some mistakes is to understand that spiritual gifts don't necessarily have a one-to-one translation to a natural program. And what I mean by that is the moment I start trying to use the word of knowledge to build a program, there's that you see how whether they they would call that an impedance mix match. In other words, we can't really get what we're looking for because all of the spiritual gifts are spiritually designed to build a spiritual body. And so when we begin to understand that, then you start to see that every single person in this room is uniquely been endowed with spiritual gifts that enable you to begin to function here at Heart of the Father in such a way that it not only individually builds the person up, but it corporately builds the entire body up. And so if, again, reaching back to week one, if we can get everyone in the room, if we can allow the Holy Spirit to begin to to set in our minds to get rid of all of this institutional thinking and come into spiritual thinking, then what we'll begin to do is realize that what God is building here is a supernatural body, a a body that's so interconnected and interwoven that if one part of the body over here gets an injury, all the supply of the body begins to rush and flow to it, just like our natural circulatory system does. Just like when someone over here gets a little toxic, then all of a sudden the immune system starts to go in to kick into gear, and next thing you know it starts to fight the toxin in the body, right? And it's not just reactive. you know, when, when we are learning to increase and in what God is doing, not only through the ecclesia, but through each, every, each and every person in it, he is raising and maturing that revelation that you started with. Upon this rock, what rock? Upon the rock of revelation, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. You entered the kingdom through a divine revelation. You can go to any church you want, but you actually cannot be a part of an ecclesia unless you carry that revelation on the inside of your heart. And so what we're doing is we're saying to you, we're calling you, we are becoming the voice, we meaning the entire leadership of this body, and we're saying step up and take your place. Now, nobody here is going to make you do that. We're not going to, we're not going to put you, you know, you know, try to control or manipulate and intimidate, but we're saying that there is so much more 
than what you're living if all you do is go to church. All right. So tonight, we're going to talk about and work through the word of wisdom. So starting with um, 26, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, to each person the manifestation. This is why I call all of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 the manifestational gifts. Because when you operate in these charismas or spirituals, as they are literally translated, then you are manifesting the power of God for what? For the benefit of all. Now, for one person is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and another the message of knowledge, and another, according to the same Spirit, the gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performance of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. It is one and the same Spirit distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. Now, what we have to realize is the last part of this passage that we read is the operative thing. He decides who gets what. Can I, can I just beg you tonight to, to realize that there's no Jeremiah 33, 1 Corinthians 12 offering that you're going to give to anybody that's going to cause you to get a gift outside of what the will of God is for your life. There, there's no conference you're going to. There's no, I don't care what apostle, prophet, anybody that lays hands on you and calls out something in your life, if it's not real and if God doesn't want that, you're not getting that. Now, I know that's a no-brainer. But what I, the reason why I say that is because everyone in this room can relax because in the sovereign manifold, many-folded, many-sided wisdom of God, he knew exactly the right gifts to put in you. And just in case there was a temptation that in so, like some places certain gifts become exaggerated, the Corinthian church had the same issue. So Paul issued some very powerful reasoning to say that where we would be tempted to minimize some gifts and maximize others, the Bible says that's carnal thinking, not spiritual thinking, because there is not one gift in these lists that is not needed. And I say, what's the best gift? Well, I'm going to tell you what the best, how many of you want to know what the best gift is? I'm going to sell it for you right now. The best gift is the one that's needed at the moment. And so what I want to challenge you with is rather than telling the Lord what you want, because inevitably you get around highly prophetic people and everybody wants to be a prophet and have the gift of prophecy. That's not really God's goal. The goal of these meetings is to help you to discern what it is the Lord has already put in you and to release you and empower you and then to encourage you to love it and own it and steward it well, realizing that there is not one, I mean, what gift that is authored through the Holy Spirit, could any of us be tempted to say, that's not really a great gift? So out of all the gifts, because he owns them and distributes them, there is a wisdom in how he does that that we become privy to. And so rather than spending a lot of time believing that you have a particular gift, because some will teach that we can operate in all the gifts and that we have them all, that's simply not true. First Corinthians says that. That's the word. Do all prophesy? No, they don't. But, but what I'm saying is, 
is in that if you can begin to start to understand uh, what your giftings are, which is why we're teaching through this, and then begin to function in those giftings, how? By building people up. The, the irony in all of this is I guarantee you every one of you have already been operating in your gift and probably just didn't know it. Because your giftings really will start to come out as you authentically seek to pursue love and loving people well. How could they not come out? Because they're attracted to love. Isn't that right? All right, so jumping in here, throughout generations, and I will say this to you going into this introduction here, there are two things that we need to really think about when we talk about both the message of wisdom or the word of wisdom and really even the word of knowledge. These two things are themes all throughout the Bible, and they were no less potent during Paul's day. In fact, wisdom was the cultural, it was really a stronghold in the culture. They had all the philosophers, they had a lot of different Gnosticism, they had a lot of different intellectual humanistic thinking that was permeating the day. This is part of the reason why in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about, now no, listen, no one who authentically carries the revelation of Jesus is going to be able to blaspheme him. So you don't have to worry when a person authentically carries that revelation, they're not going to start speaking by demons. And so he's talking about no one's, you know, they're not going to do what others do who worship dumb idols who can't really speak or hear or anything. But the idea behind this is to understand that even in Paul's day, he had to both address the cultural mindsets and strongholds that people were walking into the Corinthian assembly with, and he also had to address the carnality in the assembly that said, my gift is better than your gift, and you're less than me because I have the better gift and you don't. And that's where he makes the, 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 the most powerful argument that every single gift is needed. Now, I would submit to you that when every gift is present, and remember he said of the Corinthians church that you lack no gift. You, you come behind in no gift. So we could easily understand then that the Corinthian church was a fully formed body in the making where all of the representation of the gifts were starting to function. And what Paul had to do is correct it because some were weaponizing the gifts instead of using them to actually build the body. And so now when you understand and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you start to see that God or Paul is actually teaching us through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit how to build a body together. And so wisdom and knowledge are very powerful concepts. If we could define them, the world defines them this way. And several dictionaries, starting with Oxford, it's the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It's the quality of being wise. Another definition, the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It's the body of knowledge and principles that develops within a specified society or a period. Cambridge says it's the ability to use your knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. And then dictionary.com, the quality or state of being wise, knowledge of what is true and right coupled with just judgment as to an action. So if we could define it this way, what we're saying is that if natural wisdom is the application of experience, expertise, and knowledge, and judgment, 
that results in a just action, then we can understand that heavenly wisdom is the capacity of mind that enables us to understand and act based on God's wisdom. So think about these, uh, think about these contradictions or these contrasts, rather, that Paul makes. He talks about the carnal mind, and then he compares it to or contrasts it to the spiritual mind. What's the carnal mind? The word carnal in its most basic form just means earthly. It means that there is no light of God in it or there is very little in it. And so the carnal mind, we know through Romans, is enmity with God, right? And so as a carnal man, I am earthbound and I am of the earth, meaning I am a product of a world system that was birthed and it operates um, in sin and in complete and 100% total opposition to God. And yet, the Bible says that when I, get, when I became joined with Christ and I became a bearer of his testimony, what begins to happen is he begins to push into me the spiritual mind. So what happens is, and we talked about this, I think, last week, we go into sort of an identity crisis because the carnal mind that we developed was oriented around the, the, the tree of knowledge that we lived out of, humanism, that was sin-ridden, and it begins to war with its patterns and thinking against the spiritual mind. Someone said, you know, that person is too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good, and that's simply not true. In fact, the Bible says that you should set your mind on things above. So you can see that something like that was probably, you know, it came up with to describe someone who probably was truly heavenly minded in such a way that it was annoying someone, yet we are called to be heavenly minded in our thinking. And so going forward then, what we can understand is that wisdom, that God, that there is a wisdom that originates out of God and there is a wisdom that originates out of human thinking and humanism. And this becomes sometimes very hard to discern and understand because we've been so immersed in human wisdom and humanistic wisdom that a lot of it has made its way into Christian circles and what we call charismatic is actually Gnosticism. Not, every, not in every situation, I don't have time to go into all that tonight, but I'm just simply saying that what God's goal in your life is, is to bring you and to develop within you the spiritual mind, the mind that reasons under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You with me? Okay. So moving on, all believers have access to spiritual wisdom. So this is the thing. So I'm in the middle of page uh, 27. If... All believers have access to spiritual wisdom, and the Scripture calls us to desire it with all of our heart. So even before we get to a gift, wisdom should be found among every believer. We have access to a supernatural wisdom every single person does in this room. There is no believer in this room that has access to a wisdom that you do not have access to. In as much as you will allow your mind to be set on things above and to be regenerated and washed by the washing of the Word, the old mindset that was centered around humanism becomes dislodged. All that thinking, all that power of reason 
begins to diminish, and in its place, God begins to cause us to reason like kingdom citizens. Now, what does that reasoning look like? We talked about it. Human wisdom says that I need to use my authority and that the greatest people who have authority will rule over you because it's natural selection, right? The greatest of the greatest get to rule and everybody else just kind of gets to be, you know, under that rule. That's really the world system right now. You have the elite who are ruling over the middle class and the middle class think they're better than the poor. Jesus starts all the way at the bottom and says, if you don't treat the, the poor right, you don't even know God. So, so that's, that's humanistic reasoning that competes with spiritual reasoning. Spiritual reasoning or wisdom says that even the least of these have value and that most of the time, anyone who's not a least of these, according to one parable that Jesus spoke, he had extended the wedding invitation to all, the banquet invitation to all of those that the world would say wasn't the least of these. But when the time came and the table was set and the banquet was ready, what happened? He went to all those. One said, oh, I bought property. I don't have time for it. They had all these good excuses why they weren't going to be there. And so what did the master say? He said, go out to the highways and the byways and go find the poor and extend the invitation to them. Now in the parable, who he's talking about is all the people who miss the banquet because of good things, that, that's Israel. And then the poor who we went and found in the highways and the byways, that's the Gentiles. And the idea is, in a lot of sense, that, that you and I, in human wisdom, and human reasoning, can find a lot of good reasons not to step into God things. Right? So if I could just give you that sort of an understanding. And so human wisdom says, tells me that I should do one thing, but that's based out of self-interest. Humanism is authored with self as its, ori as its origin. Spiritual wisdom is offered and is authored by the Spirit of God himself who can't other than be great. And he's so amazing that the only name he could swear by was his own. And so the idea is that you and I, uh, in the middle of page 26, have access, according to Proverbs 2.4, to wisdom, and we should search for it like a treasure. Human wisdom will always be extremely limited because it only sees from man's perspective. The Bible calls that the carnal man. But skipping down... The highest of man's wisdom is still futility. And this is why Romans 1, he talks about they became reprobate in their mind. Their consciences had become seared. And, and what does that actually mean? It means they entered into the fullness of human depravity, meaning they reached the extent and the possibility of what it means to be evil and separate from God. Yet the spiritual man is the exact opposite. That spiritual wisdom that God calls us to is a heavenly wisdom, and every believer has access to that. But now on top of that, there is the word of wisdom. And if we could define it this way, that God has a purpose. And in everything that he's doing, he is executing that purpose. What you and I are really called to give him is our submission. 
And so at any given time, I'm really only ever responsible for my submission. And when I give him the substance of my submission, he takes it and builds out of it what he wants. So in other words, let me say it this way. I'm responsible to give him submission. He's responsible to get the outcome he wants through my submission. So at any given time, what you're focused on more than anything else is submitting personally to God. When I start going through something, I don't always understand what God's doing in my life, but what I will do is say, Lord, I don't understand it, but whatever you're doing, I partner with it. I submit to it. And if you'll help me understand, I'll become a better partner in it. Whatever you're doing in me, I'm not going to fight it, I'm not going to reject it. I'm going to embrace it and partner with you to get what you're looking for, right? So in that word of wisdom, what we, what we begin to understand at the bottom of page 27 is we could define the word of wisdom this way. The word of wisdom is a revelation of God's infinite wisdom that's applied to a natural situation. In other words, it's really the right thing to do or say at the right time to bring about God's intended result. So it's not super complicated. And in fact, I would offer to you that the word of wisdom is so simple, he didn't even need to define it. In other words, you're not going to see anywhere in Scripture any definition of what the word of wisdom actually is, because all that it really is is God reveals and releases a portion of what he knows and how to apply it in a certain situation to get about, to get that perfect result that he's looking for. Now, one thing I want to remind you, it's called the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, because in these certain situations, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So understand that every single gift always has limits. And the reason why he limits them is that he intends to force our interdependence upon one another. So, so you're never going to get the whole in any one prophetic word that you get. And in fact, the Lord will only release any, at any one time just a specific part. And his intention is that you begin to seek him for the rest of it. Now, we can increase the odds, so to speak. Uh, and by that I mean when we bring many parts together, we get more of a whole. So when you begin to function in a body... Now you can start bringing people together with individual parts, and as they begin to release their part, whether that's a prophetic word or a tongue and interpretation or whatever gift, they bring the part of their gift, then you start to get more of the whole. And that's why many times, well, in the Corinthian church, they had so many people prophesying, they finally had to say, let's just keep that down to three or we'll be here all day. And, I mean, we get worn out listening to so many words, but the idea is the word of wisdom is only just a slight, just enough to bring about the intended result that God's looking for. So you with me? So it's not super complicated, and I would argue that many of you potentially have even operated in a word of wisdom, because I will tell you this, while it is true that you and I can possess and the Holy Spirit does give us gifts, he distributes them to the point where I can say, I have this gift, there are times when the Holy Spirit can and allow a gift to manifest as he wills, and the person who manifests it may never do it again. 
So uh, I've seen that happen many times. I, I think I may have given a message in tongues maybe twice. I think it was once, but I'm, it's a little fuzzy. And other than that, I've never really felt the need to give a message in tongues. Yet, what was it, Sunday morning, I think someone gave someone new, right? I was getting all excited. I forget who that was, by the way, but who was it? Who was it? Janet. Oh, yeah, Janet Payne. Ripping out tongues. I'm like, you go, God. This is awesome. I love it. You know why tongues and interpretation are so, so cool? God devoted a whole chapter of the Bible to it. So, and yet it's ironically missing in a lot of our church services. And now I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about church-wide. You, you'd be hard-pressed to go anywhere to hear anybody function in the gift of tongues. All right, so the word of wisdom then is simply how to take something that I know and apply it in such a way that it gives God what he's looking for. So uh, let's make a, a, a big distinction here that the word of wisdom is not the gift of wisdom. You're, you're going to hear this talk about a lot. The gift of wisdom is really not what Scripture's talking about. I would argue that Solomon had the gift of wisdom. You and I get the word of wisdom. Right? So called the word of wisdom because God only gives us a portion Number one under that, a word or an utterance is a part of a sentence. So think of it this way. You're only getting essentially one word in the big sentence of his wisdom. Right? And so out of that, then it becomes imperative that as you begin to operate and function in a gift, let's say that, because again, every one of these gifts are distributed to the body. The word of wisdom isn't just for that big power preacher you see on TV. The word of wisdom is for you to operate in. So I, I can tell you right now, every time I'm starting to look at people, the first question I'm asking them is, who are you in the Spirit? What, what gift do you really carry? And I'm off, always looking at that. I want to know who my word of wisdom people are in this body. Because these are the types of people that when people are swimming around in the sea of confusion, the person with that word of wisdom is the one you want to send them right to because that word of wisdom cuts through the morass of voices and we learn how to shut out the noise, right? And then out of that, that person with the word of wisdom is able to effectively cut through the noise and release the wisdom of God that will help bring them out of a confusing moment and into a purpose of God. Now, to be careful because when we start de dealing out advice, we become sort of responsible for that advice, right? So the word of wisdom isn't necessarily meant to take the place of counsel because what? Wisdom is found where? In the multitude of counselors? But what we understand is at, at a given time, think about how, 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 how much care Jesus left for his body in that he wanted to make sure that if we ever lacked wisdom, someone would be carrying a gift that would give it. Now, again, according to James, if any of us lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. What he didn't say is how he releases that wisdom to us. And most often and many times, it will come through the wisest of people who are operating in a supernatural wisdom or the gift of the word of wisdom. All right. Number two, both the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are listed as gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, but never specifically defined beyond their mention. And I, again, would argue the reason why is because they need to stay simple and not complicated. 
And so moving on, number three, top of page 28, we do see multiple examples of Scripture. Even though it doesn't define it, we can see how wisdom operates, and we can see that wisdom is one of the most powerful metaphors in Scripture, and it's something that we should pursue as treasure. And we should understand that in all of our getting, we should get understanding or wisdom, right? And then lastly, on four, wisdom is available to all believers, but the word of wisdom isn't necessarily. And I would say that to one caveat, that there are times if someone does not have that word of wisdom, I've literally seen a gift drop on someone for the moment, and then I never see them operate in it again. Because I really believe firmly that God doesn't leave us without what we need pertaining to all things in life and godliness. Right? So, my first question to you tonight is, who in here has the word of wisdom and are you really releasing it for this body? Point three, the word of wisdom in action. I'm going to talk about myself because out of all the gifts that I operate in, the word of wisdom is my strongest. So, what you're going to find, so I'm going to kind of interview myself. That's going to be kind of fun because when we get to Tongues and interpretation, I'm going to bring Barry and Diane up here, and we're going to interview them together. We're going, to, we're going to interview their gifts, so to speak. And so we want to make this totally practical. So tonight, I want to give you some practical understanding about how I operate in this gift and when I do it. Now, where you're going to see this operate the most is when I'm counseling with people. And I don't even really call it counseling. I just call it discipleship. You know, people uh, all, all, all the time seek me out for something. And what it really is that they're after, many times people don't know it, but they're drawn to the word of the wisdom that I carry. And so it's not natural wisdom. And many times, I, I'm just going to be totally honest with you, I have a sort of a, a, a memory bank of principles, biblical or spiritual principles, that I'll throw out quite a lot when I'm talking to people. But I can't tell you how many times I've actually been taught by the word of wisdom that's been, that starts flowing through me. And I, only to go, man, uh, that just kind of flowed out. I better actually go back into the Bible and research that and make sure I just said, you know, and that it followed. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. And what I found is that most of the time it's pretty accurate. So a good example is when you don't know what to do, many times you're asking God for the wisdom and the understanding of what to do. And so what we find out, you know, when I'm talking to people, I'll sit down, I'll start running through, you know, principles that I understand. And many times what will happen is I will feel, how do I describe it for you? I'll feel an unction I'll feel something move in my spirit, man. And when you hear me say, I feel the oil on that, what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit has quickened something to me. And um, I'll give you a perfect example. I hope this doesn't get me in trouble here. But um, it'll happen like this. Like we'll be sitting around, I'm hanging out with Elisa Bates. And we're talking. And the next thing you know, before I know it, I'm like, you ought to jump on a dating website. I mean, and there was a little bit of a push there, you know, and, and now why would the Lord say something to do that? Is it because she's going to meet the man of her dreams there? Maybe. I don't always know why he pushes something like that, but I know when he does it, 
And so we're sitting around talking, and when I said that, can I just, can we be real here, your family? She, we're sitting at Longhorn, isn't that when it happened? And she starts bursting into tears, because immediately me saying that starts pushing up all her insecurities. That's the word of wisdom. Because the Lord is initiating her into a process where it's not necessarily where she's going to get the man of her dreams per se. I mean, I think that's her, our natural goal, right? But what he's really doing is starting to deal with something that's a roadblock in her life. Did we not go through a process? Uh, am I here to give you the theology of why you should use dating websites? No, I'm just telling you that that was something the Lord pushed. Now, I'm not going to tell, tell you to do something that's known for sin or whatever. But the moment I said it, I, I, I feel like I'm getting myself in trouble, Brandon. <laughs> What's that? Okay. All right, we're going to prophesy his mate tonight. <laughs> All right. So anyway, anyway, we're going through this, and she's, she has sort of a, you know, she, she's, you know it, it touches some places in her life, and she's crying. And, and I didn't touch it too hard, but I knew I had heard from the Lord on it. All right? So anyway, um, I said out of the blue, I think, well, you know what we ought to do? We just ought to have a party. I know a couple people. Let's just all have a Christian website party. We're all, you guys can meet over at my house, and we'll, we'll all, you guys can all make profiles. I'll make dinner. And I was doing that because I kind of felt like the Lord was breathing on it. And so I thought, I'm going to go for this. And um, so anyway, we had it, and then, you know, everybody was kind of scared and nervous, and I didn't push it. You know, that wasn't necessarily the goal. But then Lisa again started confronting some of your emotions, right? I'm okay, right? You're not mad at me, right? Okay. All right. And so anyway, what happens? She, she, she decides she's going to put the profile up there. And then I remember at Longhorn, she goes, you know, I just am looking for my Boaz, right? Isn't that what you said? Yeah, she had a word from the Lord about that. And anyway, so I, I think that night she just kind of had a, you know, she just was back and forth vacillating. She was nervous. There was a part of her that felt like she should just wait and not do anything. Is that right? Okay. And, and anyway, what ends up happening is at some point she actually goes on and does it, and some guy reaches out to her and says, I'm Boaz looking for my Ruth, essentially. That's the paraphrase version, all right? And some of you met him. His name was Greg. But now here's the thing that's interesting about this. I know, I know that when the prophetic happens, and I know that when the word of wisdom often happens, more times than not, he's releasing a person into a process, and it's usually what he's doing in the person, not generally always the expected result we think we're going to get. And so the word of wisdom, when I operate in it at that level, it helps me to understand what God is doing in the person's life and how to partner with him for their life. That, that's probably the most common way that I'll, that I'll operate in that gift. And so in this process, uh, let, me get, let me let you into my real world. I'm going, okay, Lord, I sure hope I didn't blow this one. This is going to be so awkward. Um, but then, but I'm starting to see the fruit of it. And then before long, what ends up happening is, you know, I'm a part of this, the process. You don't mind me telling me that, you know, she was talking to a lot of people and I was talking to her a lot through it now, but in the end, I could see through the process, several things happen. And I told, told her this Sunday night, first of all, I see a new, I saw a new authority and a boldness coming into her life. And she passed a very critical test that the Lord knew she was going to pass. She just needed to know she was going to pass it. 
and 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 I was operating on very limited knowledge but so I was over at her house Sunday night she let me read something she wrote into her journal and immediately when I read this one line the Lord unfolded the whole thing for me and I saw it all what he was doing but you have to understand I only get a piece because God's not giving me a spiritual gift are you ready to be nosy into her life that many times he's having a conversation with someone and I only get enough information on a need-to-know basis to accomplish what he's doing and what he wants, and that's it. And then sometimes I'll get a little fuller understanding, but when I read this point in her journal, I knew immediately what was happening here, and we got a chance to really talk through that. Now, the end result of it is, uh, you know, he probably wasn't the right guy. Is it okay to say that? But what happened in the process, you grew and you won some battles you never would have won had let, unless you had taken the risk. So this was more than anything about her winning a battle and, and tasting victory in her life, where in previous seasons of her life, she's tasted a little bit of defeat. Now, the Lord's carried her through it. And she's, uh, man, she gets, she gets a big A on that report card in the Spirit. But what I'm saying is that's one effectual way that the word of wisdom, let me give you one more example. I was talking to a brother, this was years ago before I understood it happening, and I had a dream that I'm standing out with this brother. He, incidentally, is the one that I was talking about has the gift of giving. You can hang around him for eight hours and see the craziest stuff happen, people giving him stuff, and then four hours later, uh, somebody comes, uh, comes in and says, hey, I need something, and somebody had given it to him four hours later, and he just moves it right into their hands all the time. So the fun thing about the gift of giving, by the way, is not, is not that they give, it's their ability to receive. You want to hang around the people with the gift of giving because they have this crazy ability to receive from God and channel it different directions. All right, but this same guy, I'm standing, he was part of an uh, auto mechanic, you know, he bought a shop, and we're standing out in front of his shop in the dream, and I'm looking at him, and this guy had a propensity to talk, he had that Bronx sort of accent, and he, we loved him, Paul, God love him, um, uh, but uh, he, we're sitting out in the dream talking, and he's just going, yak, 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 he's just talking, and I'm looking at his building, and on the back end of the, the building, the roof is on fire. And Paul's just going, yak, 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 yak. And I'm like, bro, you're yakking and your roof is on fire. What, what in the world? And I'm sitting there going, Paul, in the dream, your roof is on fire and you're over here running your mouth. Bro, look at your business. It's burning down to the ground. Well, back then, I didn't understand. And I was really new to dreaming. And so I got scared because... I really wasn't sure what God was saying to me in the dream. So I told Paul, I said, and, and this is exactly what I told him. I said, Paul, I don't really know what this means, but I know when I woke up, I had a sense of urgency that you need to pay attention to the fact that uh, the roof of your business is on fire. And he got nervous, and he, he thought, well, man, uh, I don't have insurance on the building. I better go out and get it. So, hey, that was a good thing, no matter what. The brother went and got insurance, all right? But um, I, I felt like, well, that wasn't quite it. And, and in hindsight, what I should have done is waited on the Lord and asked him to tell me what, what I needed to do about it. But, but he solved it anyway. And what he did do is that, that word, that dream, he couldn't shake it either, either. Well, this was right before I'd given that to him, right before he went on a two-week trip. And he gets back to to the trip, gets back to his office, 
And this, 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 uh, this dream that I had 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 been playing through his mind, I think, and he, it wouldn't, he wasn't able to shake it. And then it caused him to realize that while he was gone, he had an employee that was making all the rest of the employees toxic, and it was literally setting his business up in flames due to the toxicity of those people. And through the word of wisdom that the Lord was releasing, now I didn't steward it really well because I was young in it, what I would have done now is I would say, I would have put, brought him back to James and says, brother, the tongue is set on fire by hell, and you got to watch it because there's a tongue wagging that's going to burn your business up. So that's, how, that's one practical example among many of how a word of wisdom can operate. So I'm, next I will say that in a lot of times in counseling, when I'm sitting down or I'm discipling and mentoring people, I'll start to hear and I'll start to know and have a wisdom about what people should do, what their next step should do. And many times you have to understand that it's a, that's, it's a supernatural wisdom that orders natural circumstances. So it's like the same thing. Hey, Jesus, is it, um, you know, you got to go pay your taxes. Okay, go out there and catch a fish, right? It'll be in that fish. Well, we'd say, well, that's a word of knowledge. But why did he pick the fish? How did he know in the wisdom to go pick that fish and to go pick a fish? Why couldn't he just done it a million other ways? So wisdom will take a natural circumstance and it will allow us to apply supernatural wisdom to it to order those circumstances toward the purpose of God, both in a person's life or in the broader level. I had a man one time, I was talking to the elders about this recently, prophesied over me, and he said that I'm a person of divine strategy, and I've walked in that all my life. So the word of wisdom, when it operates, will also come to you in a way that gives you divine strategies that influence natural situations. Uh, it's crazy things like, uh, and I don't even know if I should say this one. Uh, I, I am, though, because it really did. There was a, the preacher that I know um, years ago that the Lord, now, okay, I have to offer a disclaimer. Don't do this. Okay, don't do this. Don't try this at home, right? But the Lord told him to go take his credit card, go buy this duplex, and that it was going to be a part of, and he didn't have the money, so he put it on a credit card, and uh, he, he, he felt like he was obeying the Lord. Now, this guy didn't have debt problems. His finances weren't in order. He wasn't, you know, so he isn't like your typical American that's greedy and, you know, rakes up lots of debt and carries debt all the time, right? Because, you know, according to Dave Ramsey, that's greed, right? All right, so anyway, um, most of the time. But, but anyway, so he did that obeying the Lord. Well, wouldn't you know it? The craziest thing happens. The thing burns down, and he makes twice on what he paid for it. So, again, this is a man who has a history of obeying God. He was a pastor of a really large church. I think it was in Alabama. And I don't say that to say that, you know, we should all go try out and do stupid things, but he caught a conventional wisdom that, that, um, was able to, that he was able to use, and I think it, it met some big need in his life. It's been years ago. But my point is saying that when the word of wisdom operates, it begins to bring a pass. So the way that you know a word of wisdom is operating is by the fruit that it produces. And what I would um, also say, so let me just jump down here. Um, during personal or prophetic ministry, I'll say that another way that it operates is many times I'll start prophesying to people, and then I'll start jumping into the word of wisdom and telling them what to do about it. 
I can't tell you how many times where, where God's doing something in a person's life and then he actually tells me what to tell them. Like, for instance, um, it isn't, you know, you know, how to do certain things. Uh, there was a time even when I was in over my head on a job that I was doing, so I actually just began to pray, like, I have the mind of Christ. You know everything. You know how I can solve this problem. Now, I ended up getting fired from that job, but um, hey. <laughs> Huh? It's a process. I was still learning the, the, the mind of Christ. All right, so um, let me wrap this up here and say this, that, that the, the, the word of wisdom has an application in just about every situation where wisdom is needed. And so what you're looking for, if you believe that you have this gift, then what's going to begin to happen is it should be verifiable. In other words, if you really are operating in the word of wisdom, you're going to know it because it's going to bring to pass a purpose of God. So what we're learning and what we're understanding to do when I'm talking to people, most of the time, the way it operates probably more than anything is the word that I've hidden in my heart, the Lord will give me practical applications and when to pull that word out to apply it to someone or to apply it to their situation. So understand that the word of wisdom most often works in me, and it works through what has been hidden in my heart. And so in order to effectively operate in the word of wisdom, what we have to do is we have to hide the original word, that more sure word of prophecy, the revealed word of God in our heart because most often he releases his wisdom through what's been hidden there. Does that make sense? How many of you agree with that? How many of you don't agree with that? No. All right, so let me, let me do this on the bottom of page four. Oh, not, I don't want to skip this. So how do you get it? How do you know a word of wisdom is coming to you? Like anything, you're going to discern it through your spiritual senses. And this is where, in the body of Christ, we need to spend a lot of time learning how to teach people to use their spiritual senses. I could argue this way, that just as you have five natural senses, you have duplicates of them in the Spirit. And so um, many times when people say, well, how do you hear? Because, And, and I, hap- I hear the Lord a number of ways. But most often, the way that he talks to me, most often, is I'll literally hear him whisper it in my ear. And, and many times, he'll, it'll be uh, whole phrases, it'll be sentences, it'll be sometimes whole paragraphs, but most of the time, I'll hear him whisper it. Now, am I hearing him whisper it in my natural ear? No. It's a spiritual ear, but it definitely comes through my spiritual hearing. Other times, I'll get it as a sudden knowing. I get a surge of inspiration. I'll feel like the, the presence of God. I'll feel the Spirit come on me, and it's a surge of inspiration, and immediately wisdom will come forth out of it where it wasn't present before. Is it something tangible on my body? I don't know that I could say that, but it's a presence that wasn't there before, b- b- before that word of wisdom dropped in me. And so what we learn to do is we learn how to function by the Spirit. And this is hard because the natural mind can't touch that. This is why we say the gifts of the Spirit are hard. They're not hard, they're just not natural. They don't come natural to you because they're only as natural to you as the Spirit is natural to you. 
And what I mean by that is the things of the Spirit can't be touched by the natural. They have to be discerned by the Spirit. So what we have to do is to get everyone crossed over and functioning out of your spirit more than you are the carnal mind or the natural mind. Does that make sense? Okay. So out of that... um, Sometimes it's a gentle inward knowing where God just deposits it and you know something. You don't know why you know it. You just know it. There really is no other way to say it than that. Sometimes um, this operates in me. I feel, I feel like a deposit. I feel like God dropped something, and I don't even know what it is yet, but I feel it drop inside of my spirit, man. And what that tells me is I need to start listening because God's getting ready to tell me something. And so when I'm talking to people, I, I, I catch this all the time. Some, pe- some people will be talking to me, and they've been around me enough to know this. I'll be sitting there talking to you, and I'll go, hmm. They're like, oh, you just got something. What is it? You, you know, so, and, and you'll do that because you're talking, you're flowing, right? All, and all of a sudden, your mind, the spirit of your mind becomes enlightened and influenced by the Holy Spirit, and you feel him drop something. And uh, how do you describe it? Well, the oil of the Spirit's on it. All right, and then the other way I would say it is through a dream, vision, or trance. Uh, you can explain this one. Now, I wasn't in the word of wisdom, so I'll stay away from that. But, but many times we get caught up on the delivery of how we get it when how we get it isn't near as important as that we get it, right? But what, what I do find oftentimes is that, is that God is dropping something to you one way and you're listening in another. And it's not hard to hear the voice of God. My sheep know my voice. But what we have to understand is many times people, it's not that you're not hearing the voice, you're listening with the wrong instrument. And can I just tell you one of the craziest things that I didn't get with God right away is that he does change it up on you so you don't get status quo in the way you're listening for God. Next thing you know, I'm like, I I was telling the Lord one day, I was like, God, why is it so tough to meet with you right now? Like, why am I, I don't know, why does it feel so dry, God? And you know what he said to me? I heard it in my ear. He said, that's because you're too busy trying to bring the prophet when I'm really wanting the son. And so the idea is, um, it took me a little while to figure out And instead of just asking the Lord what the issue was and listening for his reply, I was was just expecting him to tell me in the word. I was expecting him to give me a word from somebody else. I was expecting him to do something when he was actually starting to speak to me in a different way. Some of you in this room tonight, it's not that you're not hearing God. It's that he's talking to you differently. And that's not a sign you're doing something wrong. It's a sign you're doing everything right. You're graduating. You're growing. You're maturing. You, had to, you started off your Christian life being Gideon with a fleece, but now God's teaching you how to walk by the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit of God, not needing, Lord, if this is you, can you just make this happen? No, grow up. That's what he's saying. It, it's a no on the fleece. It's a yes, learn how to discern it in your spirit. Learn how to discern it through the wise counsel of other people. And so let me, let me end with this passage of Scripture. For when I came to you, Paul said, brothers and sisters, I did not come to you with a superior elegance, eloquence of wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony of God, for I decided to be concerned about nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's one of my favorite passages. And I was with you in weakness 
and in fear and with much trembling, and as Brandon preached a while back, he needs to make us physically weak so that he can raise us up in spiritual strength. My physical strength competes and is in opposition to his supernatural strength. That's why he, the, the ultimate place of my weakness is the cross because it reduces my human ingenuity and my effort and it lays to rest, um, as Mr. Sam over here likes to say, Adam in me. And it rises up and brings me to a place where I walk out of my experience with God leaning instead of believing that I have the strength that is able to produce what God's looking for. All right? So he goes on to say, My conversation and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom. Your translation may say man's wisdom but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith, what would not be based on what? Human wisdom, but on the power of God. Now we do speak what? Wisdom among the mature, but you need to understand that it's not the wisdom of the age that so many are walking in. What's the wisdom of the age? Run into books a million and look at the self-help section. Wisdom of the age. Right? We're constantly trying to figure out how to apply human ingenuity to remedy our situations that can only be remedied through the Spirit, right? Hey, I can change my diet and make the food behave, but I can't change the heart that caused the problem in the first place. Only God can do that, right? So I can make my behavior change, but I can't change the heart that produces the behavior. Only Jesus does that, right? So anyway, he goes on to say, instead we speak the wisdom of God. Oh, sorry. Uh, Verse 6, now we speak of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of the age or of the rulers of the age who are perishing and their wisdom with them. Instead, we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it because if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. So this shows you what man's wisdom accomplishes versus what God's wisdom accomplishes. Verse 9, but just as it's written things that no eye has seen, no ear or heard, nor mind imagined are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And God has revealed this to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, and for, among, for who among men knows the things of a man except the man's spirit within him? So too no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, verse 12, we have not received the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. And we speak about these things not with words taught by human wisdom, but with those taught by the Spirit. Now, I don't generally do this, but you need to hear yourself say it. So everybody say with me, I'm being taught by the Spirit. And what you need to understand is, is that everything that God is doing is He is displacing the wisdom of the world in your mind, and He's replacing it by things that are taught by the Spirit and from the Spirit. And he goes on to say here, and we speak about these things, 
Not with human words, but with things, those taught by the Spirit, explaining what? Spiritual things to spiritual people. The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is understood by no one. For he who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him, but we have the mind of Christ. And so what I'm trying to say to you is that God is raising up a supernatural people that learn how to flow and operate by supernatural wisdom. All of us get that. But then there are those among us that are gifted and have a gift of wisdom that is, that is for a specific point in a specific situation that is intended in many cases, maybe even most cases, to supplement where we may lack that general spirit of wisdom that all of us can carry. Does that make sense? All right, so let me give you a couple tips and I'm done. A uh, couple things. One, we have to learn the difference between natural wisdom and the word of wisdom. The gift always manifests through grace, so we discern when the grace is present and when it's not. So first of all, let me go back to one. So the Lord can take natural things in my understanding and supernaturally apply them. So do we understand that right? So the word of wisdom is the application of what I know, and I can know something in the natural that God gives me supernatural wisdom to apply. All right? And then secondly to that, I know that that's operating when I sense the presence of grace. And this is, the, this is really where I want to continue to challenge you guys Earthly wisdom is earthly wisdom. You have it all the time in as much as your memory can retain it. But the Spirit of God says that He will bring to remembrance all things that He's told us, including what you and I are learning through the Word, through the power of the Spirit. And so what He does is we have this spiritual repository, like I was saying earlier, that the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance what we've hidden there, and then He'll be able to apply it in a unique way that brings about His will. Number three there, he says, be cautious. I say be, be cautious in giving directive wisdom. When in doubt, ask leaders that you trust. So, so realize that the gift of the word of wisdom isn't a replacement for seeking the counsel of wise leaders. It's, it's, it's complementary, not competitive. So whenever someone gives you a word of wisdom or a prophetic word, you should always run that through leaders especially if it's directive and has you going to do something that's risky. I mean, this is a no-brainer. I've had people do some of the craziest things because they got a prophetic word, and it was just simply wrong. I, I mean, without, I mean, no disrespect, or I, I don't even mean criticism, but, but brothers and sisters, we had a lot of prophets lately that were just flat-out wrong. All right? And so what I'm saying is this is why in the body – we have a functioning body when a gift, a particular op a gift begins to operate for you, you have the rest of the supply of the body to help you to discern if that word is accurate and how many of you know that we need to test all things, right? All right, and then lastly, the word of wisdom will often come in the form of a spiritual principle applied to a specific situation. And then number five, if you believe you have this gift, then the way to begin to call to it is to begin to do 
I would say, an intense study about wisdom. Learn about it. Because what the gift is, is only a small piece of the overall supernatural wisdom of God that he releases collectively. And so think of it this way in closing. I want to do one. You got time to do just a little bit of ministry? I don't want to keep you long. It's 837. So most of you, if you have to go, it's a school night and it's all good. But let me, let me do this. Um, so tonight, I want to just say this to you, that, that um, if we begin to understand that one of the greatest beauty about being a part of a body is the collective wisdom that flows through the body. So if we understand that when God attaches you and sets you into a body, part of the supply of that body comes in the form of the collective wisdom that God allows to flow through it. This, the, beloved, do you understand this is why the enemy works so hard to separate you from the body? Because in so doing, the supply of God that he makes available to you stops. So let's do this. Uh, we went a little long tonight, so I'm gonna, I want to have everybody just stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray for a release of wisdom into this body. Now I want to do just a couple things, and I won't, I won't go super long at all. And if you need to go, Please do. You won't offend me at all. Because um, we try to have you out here by 8.30 every week. And, um, but I want to do a couple things. How many of you right now, so let's do this. If you guys, if you have to go, go. But how many of you, again, we're family, so raise your hands. How many of you would say right now you are struggling to hear the voice of God? Raise your hand. Okay. Thank you for your honesty. I'll leave them up, leave them up, leave them up. Now, would you do this really quickly with those of you that are around them? Would you, uh, is it okay for those of you raising your hand that people touch you and lay hands on you? Is it all right? So if it's not, just let people know. Would you gather around them just really quickly? And here's what you're going to pray. So we're going to do what we did in the beginning. You're going to pray, so keep your hand up. Help me out, folks. This is the, this is, we've got to let the body bring the supply to you, all right? So, all right, so gather around, raise your hand high, this lady right here. Uh, and this family back here, the, the daughters that prophesy, I feel, I feel like I want to call them Philip's daughters, um, but his name's not Philip. Yeah, go ahead. And um, so anybody else, so there's one in the back there, anybody else, so if you, if you want to be able to hear the Lord and you feel like you're struggling to do that, raise your hand. All right, make sure you're, you're next to someone, and let's just begin to pray over them, and I want you to decree, and I want you to, with authority, pray and release their hearing. And I want you to listen to see if the Lord may give you a word of wisdom to tell the person about what they're hearing. Maybe what's happening is they're hearing differently. They're looking for God to speak one way, and he's speaking in another way. So would you take a few moments? This is the body building up the body. And if you have a word to encourage and build the person up, please share it. It's okay. Don't wait for me. Get started.